rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damn It Damien. All right, buddies. Uh, today we bring you a very special episode because today we sit down with uh, the guitar player from one of my all-time favorite bands. Um, some people might think it's a little embarrassing to admit, uh, but Goldfinger was one of my all-time favorite bands growing up. Um, I'm going to tell this story here in a minute, so I'm going to make it short right here, right now. But uh, I was 15 years old. I had the flu. I was up all night. I'm watching 120 Minutes. I think Kennedy was still the host. That's showing some age here. It's been 17 years now, but I saw Here in Your Bedroom from Goldfinger on there and became hooked, became addicted. I fell madly in love with this band. Um, I I was... The, I was the kid when I was 15 years old. We didn't have a computer. We had a computer in the house, um, but it was a 386 SX Packard Bell with a 2400 baud modem. Uh, I think we had America Online, but it sucked. So, and my parents, my parents knew how much I loved the computer, so they would ground me from the computer whenever I was a bad kid. Uh, things haven't changed. I'm still massively addicted to the internet and the computer. Uh, but so we would go to Louisiana State university of shreveport's library use their computers and i would just sit there and i would google everything i could about goldfinger i would print it out i had a folder at home full of goldfinger shit i'm 15 16 17 years old doing this um and through goldfinger i was opened up to this world of you know this was the same time i'm I was a BMX freestyle rider, or so I thought. Um, so we're watching these videos. We're buying like BMX Plus and Ride BMX and uh, a magazine I believe was called Dirt. That was pretty fucking awesome that nobody remembers. And you'd see these ads for all these different records. I'd buy everything on Mojo because Real Big Fish and Goldfinger were on Mojo. And then, and then I found my way to Punkorama Volume 2, and then it, it's all downhill from there. These guys opened up the rabbit hole, and it's because uh, I, and I claim them as one of the bands that has uh, pretty much ruined my life. Uh, so to speak but i'm only kidding about that um we wouldn't be here here talking the day if it wasn't for goldfinger is basically what i'm trying to say and i i don't regret a minute of it um so goldfinger happened to be in denver for a one-off show it was a fly-in one-off show talking to charlie i think we talk about this in the interview i'm not entirely sure uh he's like dude i have no idea why we're here we just have this one-off show it's kind of a practice show before we go to uh to argentina no they're going to brazil and then argentina uh, for in Panama for a couple days before meeting up with Real Big Fish and doing an East Coast tour with those guys for a couple days. So they're like, dude, we don't know why we're here. We're just here. We're going to play a good show. Um, now, when I, when I set up the interview, I specifically requested John because, of course, you want to talk to the guitar, the uh, main guitar player, singer of the band. Um, it, but as, as the case often is, is like these guys have done hundreds of thousands of interviews. They're burnout. They're tired. They don't want to sit and talk to another dumbass kid who's going to ask them, who are your influences? Which is one of the reasons why we try to avoid those kind of questions. Like, you'll never hear me go, so how did this tour come about? Because uh, how did you find the name Goldfinger? Those are all lazy questions asked by people who don't really know what they're doing. I've been doing this since I was 16 years old, reading those Goldfinger interviews that I print off at the library. And it's a dream come true. Like, I can't tell you how fucking fantastic it was meeting these guys. Uh, so my interview questions were mostly prepped for John. And then uh, the tour manager's like, hey, John can't do it. Charlie's going to meet you at this fucking kick-ass soul food place right across the street from Cervantes Masterpiece Theater in Denver. And goddamn, that was a great place. I'd already eaten dinner, um, so I, I wasn't really in the mood to eat. But I can tell you, if I'm ever at the Cervantes again, I will be eating at uh, that soul food place right across the street. Um, so, so one of the things is I had been helping a buddy move all day long and I know you don't care about this. So I'm a little tired. I'm a little flat frazzled, a little worn out. 
Uh, we had been drinking. I had my buddy move, and he bought us all dinner and beers. So we have been drinking. So I was a little bit coming down off that beer bus. I'm a little tired. I'm a little weary. But uh, I sit down with Charlie at the soul food place. Uh, they got this really bad Jamie Kennedy movie on. Uh, it's not even worth looking up because, you know, it's a Jamie Kennedy movie, and it's not Scream, so therefore it's terrible. Um, but, yeah, so we're sitting down. We're bullshitting. We're talking, and I just – calmly tell him i'm like look so i try not to do interviews i try not to ask just straight up questions i try to have a conversation between you and me and try to connect on a different level and he says to me oh like mark Marin." so he knows who is the guy i rip off the most that's the guy i'm trying to emulate here with the show uh he's my biggest uh my biggest influence for this here little thing and so he immediately got what we were going for and and you know what i'm really glad we sat down with charlie because he's open he's honest uh, there wasn't a sense of, you know, you meet those people and you listen to those interviews, you can tell people are putting on airs. Uh, it was very much very real, very true, um, very kind of dark interview. And I, w- I was really, really impressed at the way he opened up and the things he told me about. And I'm not going to spoil any of that here because it's kind of fascinating. Uh, we do take a quick break so we can get up, take a, uh, use the bathroom and smoke a cigarette. But uh, we get back to, we get back to business and he really opens up. I can't believe it. Charlie, you were a fantastic dude. Um, again, it was an absolute pleasure meeting you. Uh, they played a great show. Cervantes is kind of a shithole. It's probably my least favorite venue in Denver. Uh, Cervantes people, I hope you don't listen to this but uh you know the sound at first the sound for the opening bands was fucking god awful the first goldfinger song was pretty bad and then they dialed it in it's like why couldn't you have dialed it in for the opening bands but i guess that's how some of these venues work uh it ended up being a fantastic show um we'll talk more about that in in the uh exit outro here in a minute but uh we're gonna go ahead and open this this episode up uh with a song from goldfinger this is their newest demo uh it's gonna be on their new album the album's not titled they don't know when it's going to come out uh we talk about that later on in the interview but uh this is called am i deaf uh you can find it you can download it for free at goldfingermusic.com uh you can find the link to that at mostlyharmlesspodcast.com or mhpod.com and hey while you're at it go over to itunes we need some more itunes reviews good bad ugly we've been sitting at 13 reviews Uh, reviews on there for i don't know a good six months it'd be nice to see that pop up to 14 or 15 or 30 or 40 so please if you're listening to this you like what you hear check out the other episodes mostlyharmlesspodcast.com leave us a little itunes review like us on facebook that really does help us uh secure and score bigger and better interviews and help keep this thing afloat buddies let's keep it going uh so without further ado this is i am deaf the uh from goldfinger's upcoming untitled album Come your hair, what's left of it? Let us all- 
Chowing down. What are you eating here? Um, collard greens. Fried chicken, collard green. We broke. Yeah, hell yeah. I just had barbecue. I helped a friend move today, and we had barbecue, and uh, I'm still stuffed. I couldn't eat if, even if I wanted to. Barbecue chicken is one of those things where it always, uh, always uh, smells better than it tastes. <laughs> like you smell the neighbor's barbecue, and you're like, "Fuck, how do I get an invite?" Yeah. And you get it, and you're like, eh. All right. So uh, we're hanging out at, this is what, Taste of Detroit? Coleman's Soul Food Taste of Detroit in Denver, right across the street from Cervantes, hanging out with Charlie from Goldfinger. How you doing, Charlie? Excellent. My fingers are greasy. Yeah. <laughs> it looks delicious, as we were just talking about. I'm a little jealous. Um, so, yeah, so you're in Denver for just a one-off before going to South America. Yeah. Like I said, um, I think we came back too soon. We were here in January. I wasn't. We were, there were some domestic problems in the band. <laughs> I didn't play it, but Goldfinger was just here in January, so I think we're back here a little too soon. Plus the ticket, a little expensive. Yeah. 25 bucks. I, I, I kind of flipped out when I found out how much they were charging kids. Yeah, it's kind of it's a little bunch. Um, and then Riot Fest was last week. You guys should have been here for Riot Fest. That would have been Fuck, awesome. I wish, dude. I would have killed to have seen the replacements. I, I was backstage. I'll send you the videos. Excellent. I, uh, I, I had a press pass and just somehow found myself backstage. It's like, how can I get on the stage? And they had these uh, trucks, trucks where you load the gear just straight off, and they had the ramps out. And you just started watching all these people jumping on the trucks, running up the ramps, and just hiding from security yeah. to watch the replacements. And there I was in the middle of it all. That's fucking this that's is, awesome. I, I, it was one of those, I hate to say that I said, I didn't say YOLO, but I said, you only live once. Yes. And then immediately felt regretful for saying, <laughs> you only live once. I'm like, fuck. That YOLO, though. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you're talking about... I don't know. I, I'm here. I, I missed the January show. I missed the Warped Tour show. Did you guys play Denver on Warped Tour? No. Okay, well, then I didn't miss anything then. But um, oddly enough, I've been a huge fan of you guys since I was 15. I've never seen you guys play. So when I found out about the show a couple of weeks ago, I, I fucking flipped out about it. Um, Excellent. Just for whatever reason, I know you guys have come through. I've been living here for 12 years, and I know you guys have come through, but circumstances have never worked out too. We don't my, play here often enough, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, so the way it worked out is, uh, you know, I'm 15 years old. I've got the flu, stomach virus. I've been You've got a pretty fat beard for a 15 year old. Well, I was was 15. I, right. <laughs> Let's go back in time to this. This, right. you know, I'm 32 now, but I was 15, and uh, I'd been, you know, you're sick. You're sleeping on and off all day long. I'm doing what any 15 year old kid would do. My favorite band. Jerking off. Well, no, I, I was in the living room. My mom. My mom was a nighttime nurse so she's up all night you know it's her night off she's sitting at the computer right behind me so that would have gotten a little weird <laughs> but uh, so I'm doing you know my favorite bands at the time were like corn Limp Biscuit, all that bullshit I was angry hateful fucking son of a bitch and uh, I'm watching 120 minutes and I don't know if it was the premiere of the video but here in your bedroom came on uh-huh. and it just grabbed me and I'm like this is fucking awesome what the hell is this shit you know, I'd heard Green Day and Offspring before, but there was something about you guys that really grabbed me. And uh, I ended up, I couldn't buy the CD 
because you know it was a 15 year old kid it was before Napster and all that shit right so I was calling up the radio station every day requesting the song they finally play it I record, I taped it played it over and over and over and over and over and over until I get sick of it until I could finally buy the CD but you guys kind of opened up this doorway that led me down this deep dark black hole of punk rock to where I am now we are a gateway drug. Yes. I'm sure you hear that very I've often. Never, I've never, ever claimed that Goldfinger was a punk band, but we we can lead to punk bands. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, there's those elements that are in there. You know? Right. And especially at that time in the late 90s. Um, but I was curious, like, when you look back, and, and, like, I can pinpoint that moment of seeing that video as, like, this turning moment of, like, oh, shit, you know, I was going down this path. And it took me down this one instead. I probably I wouldn't be in Denver. I wouldn't be in Colorado. I don't think if it hadn't been for that. Is there a moment that you can remember where you can just look back and like that was the turning point for me? That's where everything changed. Um, there was a few of them. Um, my very first one was I saw Kiss at the Forum in 1979. I was eight years old, and I decided I wanted to grow up to be <clears throat> Ace Freely. Fortunately, I did not succeed because <laughs> I'd probably be dead. But um, there was that, and then when I was 14, a friend of mine gave me a mixtape. Uh, I'd started skating, and I didn't really, you know, up until that point, it was all ACDC and Kiss and Van Halen. And he gave me a mixtape that he'd made, and it was uh, Social D, TSOL, like Dance With Me, um, uh, I think Aggression, you know, a lot of that shit. And that, that's that's when I started listening to punk rock, you know what I mean? So I could definitely say that... that shitty mixed cassette would have been that moment for me <laughs> punk rock was oh and then um, I used to flyer when I was like 13 years old I used to ride around on my Huffy in flyer for local metal bands so that I could go see their shows well this metal band was opening for some band I never heard of one night called 45 Grave and that was the first punk show I ever went to and they come on stage they got a girl singer named Dinah Cancer and and they come out like the looking like the fucking Adams family and they fucking tore my head off and I was just I couldn't believe what I was seeing and then I turn around and there's just this huge black presence behind me and I look up and it was fucking Nikki Six you know and he's just like feeling him so I'm like alright cool I'm in the right place so that was the first punk show I ever saw did you grow up in Southern California? yeah LA? yeah cool uh, how old were you when this was happening? I show I think I was 14 wow man yeah. So where I grew up in Louisiana, uh, there was there was never music. Yeah, uh, this is a staple of Louisiana. Yeah. Except that is this one actually made? In, uh, yeah, New New Iberia. He's yeah. in ter- He's investigating the hot sauce bottle. Yeah. Well, there there's some Louisiana hot sauces that aren't from Louisiana. They're from you know New York City, that kind of stuff. But uh, you know we didn't get any of that music. So for me, you know, MTV and then the BMX and skateboarding magazines were a big. Yeah, Gateway. skate videos were a big thing too for everybody, even mm-hmm. where I lived. You know, what I mean, that's when you first, you know, you'd hear like Agent Orange or uh, Circle Jerks for the first time, or Fishbone and all that kind of shit. It was all on like Thrasher videos. And I was like, what is this? Uh, do you still BMX or skate? Because you were saying Huffy, no, maybe a little I'm, bit of both. I don't ride a bike anymore, but I still skate, but mainly for transportation. Yeah. I mean, I'm 42 years old. I'm not going <laughs> to hit any pools. I uh. I just ride a road bike now. I feel like a sellout because I was a BMX kid for so long. But, man, I still love riding a bike. I love riding it everywhere, except for not strange cities where I don't know where I'm going. But, right. Um, so what, what drew you to playing music? Like, like I said, I, I saw Kiss when I was eight years old, yeah. and I wanted to – first I wanted to be a drummer, but I was living in apartment buildings, and drums were too loud and too expensive. 
So I stole a guitar off some kid. <laughs> it was one of those early Sears pieces of shit with 20 knobs and 20 switches that did nothing. And um, that's how I started. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so when did you uh, start your first band? When did all that come to be? Probably around 14 or 15 yeah. as well. We were called uh, Decibel, I think. Really creative. We couldn't figure out if we wanted to be, um, you know, like I said, we couldn't figure out if we wanted to be TSOL or Motley Crue. Right. You know what I mean? And um, so, you know, we're, you know, just kids playing in somebody's garage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, when did you realize you had a talent for it? Or did you ever figure that out? Um, I think by the time I, I hit high school, um, other guitar players... You know, I'd go to a local music store or whatever to get strings or just, you know, when you're a kid, you just hang out at the music store. Yeah. And, you know, you're annoying and you play all the guitars and they want to kick you out. But other, but dudes from other schools uh, started knowing who I was when I walked in there. So I guess, you know, <laughs> people were talking, you know what I mean? And, and then I got started asking, having dudes older than me ask me to give them guitar lessons. So that's when I kind of figured out I might be... I might be doing on to something. Yeah. What did your parents think of the music route? They were fine with it for the most part. Whenever I get in trouble, the way they punish me was they take away my guitar. Yeah. So they knew. <laughs> uh, when did you... Do you still get that same sense of enjoyment that you got from back then playing guitar now? No. No? I do not. In fact, I called a friend of mine the other day. He's my age. And I said, dude... How do you stay inspired? Because like he's constantly writing, he's constantly doing shit. And I said, I just don't, I just don't get that same fire that I used to. I don't, you know. There used to be a time where I could sit in my room. And this is well into my twenties, dude. You know I mean, not just mm -hmm. when I was a kid, and I could literally just get lost playing guitar for eight hours straight. You know what I mean? And I just, you know, I pick it up now and I'll play for a half an hour and put it down and not pick it up for another week. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then, you'll go through, you know, but it comes in, it comes in cycles, you know what I mean? You go through phases, and then there's, and so there's times where I'll sit down, and I'll start listening to Top 40 radio, and I'll play guitar along with it, and try to figure out how to play the synth parts, and how to try to play all the samples, and like, try to make the guitar sound like those things, you know what I mean? So, it, 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 you know, I've been playing guitar for... 30 years so after a while you gotta find new shit to inspire mm -hmm. you yeah um, so, so what do you do when you're not touring playing music I'm a drug dealer no well, I mean medical marijuana is uh, is a booming no, industry at the moment I know, no I'm just kidding um, <laughs> I, uh, I act um, I'm always you know it's always the same thing I'm either uh it's always on some cop show like The Shield or Justified or Wanted or one of those things and I'm always like, you know, car thief, kidnapper, whatever. I had no idea. Yeah. It's fantastic. Anything that, uh, just background acting or do you have... No, no, no. No, you have full... Oh, yeah. Damn. And I get killed in almost everything <laughs> I ever do so it ensures my character's not coming back. That is not on your Wikipedia page. I don't have... Do I have one? I don't think I have a Wikipedia page. We need to fix that. I can't remember. I, l I looked through all of them today, but I honestly can't remember. Mm. I've been helping a buddy move all day. I'm fried, so mm. my apologies. If, all good. You know, let's start one. All right. Well, uh, so so you're you're just driven to perform. Um, what other 
type of some performance. I'll tell you, the acting, it wasn't like I had a passion for it or anything. It wasn't like, you know, like everybody else in LA, I'm going to grow up and be an actor or yeah. whatever the fuck. I just, uh, a couple people over the years have just run into me out somewhere and been like, hey, would you want to audition for something? And so I just go down and I wound up booking these gigs and I thought, wow, this is the easiest thing in the world until I really started trying to get work. Um, and it just felt natural to me. Do you know what I mean? And not yeah. that when you look like I do, they're not going to ask <laughs> you to do anything that's too much of a stretch from who mm-hmm. you are. You know? <laughs> it's funny, the, uh, the summer of the hangover came out. Uh, I had a giant beard, giant, you know, my hair is longer. I got told a thousand times a day, you look like Zach Galifianakis. I actually thought about going out there to see if I could be the poor man Zach Galifianakis. Are you funny? No. I don't know. fucker is funny. Yeah. I, can, I don't know. Maybe I could hack it. Probably not, though. I uh, Needless to say, I'm glad I did not go that route. Um, All right. Why don't you pause that for a second? Sure. Just took a little break there. Smoke so try- break. Smoke break. How was the smoke? It was... Uh, whatever I need to fucking quit I quit all the time and I start smoking again it's ridiculous I uh it, for me my parents at the age where kids start drinking or smoking I, I definitely drink uh, my parents were always trying to quit so I never I was like why the fuck am I gonna want to start doing something I'm gonna eventually want to quit and my way of rebelling was my parents smoke so I'm not I was a straight edge kid for years mm-hmm. now I'm a raging not a raging alcoholic but I enjoy yeah. my beer I, I am not straight edge. I'm sober. There's an expression. Uh, religion is for people who are afraid to go to hell. Yeah. Spirituality is for people that have been there. <laughs> I feel the same way about sobriety versus straight edge. Sobriety is not a bad thing. I'm trying. I'm starting to lean more. I mean, I'm 32. I'm acting like I'm still drinking. Like I'm 22, 24, 3. You'll know. You'll know. I mean, if it's if it's if it's a fucking problem, you know, if you've got more than two DUIs, if you've ever lost your girlfriend over it, if, you know what I mean? I mean, if you've ever, I mean, by the time I was 19, I'd been to jail a lot. <laughs> and I uh, had been in emergency room three times for alcohol poisoning. Wow. So it was, it was pretty obvious. What, when did you join the band? 94. How old were you then? 23. 23. So that was right after. Had you already quit drinking by then? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I've been sober 20 years. Congrats. Yeah, thanks. So that's a hell. So that whole rise that you guys did, you did it sober. So you probably remember. Yeah, it's funny. Every once in a while, somebody will come up to me and they'll be like, dude, you remember the show you played in such and such? We got fucked up together. I'm like, oh, did we? Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure we did. Uh, um, is it hard to stay sober? I mean, it's been 20 years now. I'm sure it's like. Um, it's not hard not to drink. It's yeah. not hard not to do drugs. But it is hard. Uh, sometimes I think it would be, you know, sometimes a shot of Jameson and a Budweiser. I think, you know, you just think that just take the edge off just enough yeah. to where I didn't want to fucking kill people. But <laughs> the, the the likelihood is, if I had that shot and that beer, there's a much greater chance that I would I would wind up killing somebody. Right. <laughs> Um, it doesn't stop there. Do you know what I mean? Like, every once in a while I think, you know, man, fuck, it's Sunday afternoon, man. I'm listening to, you know, uh, Peter Tosh or whatever, Led Zeppelin. It would just, I can't 
can I just fucking smoke a joint? <laughs> and then I think, I'll smoke a joint, and then, well, fuck, I smoked a joint, I can have a beer. Yeah. Next thing I know, it's whiskey, and then I'm going to get fucked up, and then I'm going to want to come come up from that. So it's like, you you know, call a couple people, and you fucking get an eight ball of blow, and then you want to come down from that, and then, you know, I'm down on Pico and Hoover getting heroin, and it's, because that's what I did. Hmm. So, and, and that shit could happen, you know, in the space of eight hours. <laughs> so, I just don't. Yeah, I, I, those demons run deep in my family, and somehow I feel like I have escaped them. Um, I only drink to help me get come out of my shell a little bit. But I also find that I can drink a pot of coffee, and the same thing will happen, except for the words just come out so much quicker. I can't. Yeah. I don't make. Yeah, I don't I'm make a, sense either way. It's either one end of the spectrum or the other. I'm a huge coffee guy. Did you have you seen that Descendants documentary yet? Yes. Fuck, that's cool, it's dude. Fantastic. And it it made me just. It made me want to just go out and... I, I saw it at, like, mi- midnight. It made me want to go out and just pound a pot of coffee and write. <laughs> I actually had the uh, guys who made that film. They uh, they were on the show a few... I don't know, about a month ago? Okay. A month and a half ago, I interviewed those Good guys. Good work, guys. And I, and I have a coffee mug tattoo on this arm that you can't see. So yeah, so do I. I'll show it to you. I'll show <laughs> yeah. it to you in a minute. Um, let's, let's, let's move back to the band. I mean, this is good stuff, though, but I don't know. I'm not as skilled as Mark Marin to enter those territories. <laughs> not many are, man. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get there. I'm yeah. trying. It's going to happen. Um, so John recently took the band on tour without you guys. Yes. How big? How? How? how, how did that? How much? Did, I mean, I know it sucked. It had to have sucked. You guys were fighting. Um, how did you guys patch things back up? Um. Yeah, it was. It was weird, but I got to be honest with you. I saw some of the YouTube clips of, of the of the of the ringers, yeah, and it didn't it did not hurt my feelings. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, <coughs> um, we patched things up, John. You know, I mean, I was done, fucking done. I had had it. I was over it. I was not going to come back. And the thing is, you know, John and I, our friendship goes deep. I mean, we've been friends since I was nineteen. So. You know, he just, he calls me one day and says, dude, there's got to be a fucking solution. You know, can't we talk about this? And I said, yeah, so, you know, we got together and we talked for like two and a half hours, you know, and and not all of it was pleasant, you know, but, you know, I think, you know, he's sober too, so we've got that in common. We've been friends for that long. You know, and we've got 20 years of being in a fucking band together, too. And I think after, when you've got that much of a connection, you can, and you're an adult, and like I said, and you're sober, you can find a way to work that shit out. You know what I mean? Every fucking conflict I have in my life now, I think, uh, even if I want to kill a motherfucker, if they come to me, you know, with an open mind, and you know, uh, and I can I can talk through just about anything with anybody at this point. Do you know what I mean? That doesn't mean I still don't. You know, somebody still doesn't get a fucking mouth full of my fucking fist every once in a while. But those are f- much fewer and further between. Do you know what I mean? The last time I got into a real fight, like a knockdown fucking drag out, was probably five years ago. Huh. And not only that, too, when you're my age, you don't heal as quickly as you used no. to. You know what I mean? I might, I might whoop somebody, but if they land one good punch, I'm going to be fucking feeling that for a week. 
so it's I just try to avoid it. Yeah, and and like be, you can imagine it's very much like a marriage being in a band this long. Yeah, you know, John and I got into it yesterday. We got into a fucking fight. And here's the thing, like I said, about about being an adult and being, you know, like I fucking put him on blast. And then I, you know, once I calmed down, I realized that I was fucking wrong, that I was totally out of line. <laughs> and I fucking texted him. I said, look, dude, I'm sorry. Like, it, I, that was me. And I was, I was a total fucking dick. And, you know, I apologize. You know, and then I saw him today. We both showed up for sound check, and it was all good. This is flying, too. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Thank, thank heavens for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was going to cancel the show. He's like, "Fuck this," and I was just like, "Look, dude, no matter what, our fucking disagreement is over. It's not yeah. worth canceling the show." I'm glad you guys have patched things up, or hopefully, yeah, it's fine. Getting there. Um, so I've noticed, like, you guys. Were you on Warped Tour this year? Yeah. Okay. You we, guys, just, we just did the West Coast dates. Yeah. How many days was that? <clears throat> I don't know, like eight shows. Yeah. Um, I've noticed that you guys, and then you're going to do an East Coast tour with Real Big Fish in November? Uh, just six dates. Oh, just six dates. Well, still, it seems like you guys are getting, you know, it, it's been some time off. It seems like you're getting more and more into the band or bus or whatnot. Yeah, we're, uh, we're supposed to start working on a new record. I mean, you know, we just... We just we don't work nearly as much as as we used to. We don't work nearly as much as I'd like us to. But we've all got so much other shit going on. Like like I said, with my acting thing, Darren runs some merch company now. Um, you know, John's producing. The reason we're not doing more of the East Coast states is because he's producing the new Use record, and that falls right in the middle of it. Do you know what I mean? And, and the truth is, you know, the dude's got a mortgage to pay and he's got kids to feed, yeah. and that's gonna, you know, Goldfinger just is not gonna do that. You know, so I mean, I don't begrudge him that. You know what I mean? I understand. Yeah, I, I was curious though. So John's worked on all these big, huge records, you know, mm-hmm. um, and Goldfinger has never quite reached those heights. Do you ever feel any resentment towards that? Yeah, I've got this thing called the fifteen dollar club, <laughs> and it's if I had a dollar for every band that opened for us and went on to be much bigger, yeah. and that 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 fifteen dollar club includes uh, AFI, Blink. Maroon Five, uh, Three Eleven, Limp Biscuit. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean. But the thing is, I mean, I, I totally understand why we didn't get bigger. I mean, I can I can point to you know several mistakes that we made that that fucked us up, that slowed us down. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think on on our second record, releasing Lonely Place as a single was a just suicide. It was just a really bad move when everybody wanted us to put out Superman. You know, and that's the thing, you know, I mean, that's, that's you know, it doesn't happen so much anymore because record major record companies don't sign bands anymore. But, I mean, that was some record company bullshit that we had no control over. You know, and, um, you know, there's things like that. Uh, we pissed off uh, K-Rock in L.A., which is the biggest alternative station in the world. Whatever they play, everybody else plays. And we... You know, we freaked them out pretty good at a couple of shows. <laughs> so they, you know, they weren't so fond of us after that. You know, <clears throat> so, you know, yeah, it, do, it does happen. And, and look, man, I mean, you know, I've got, I go through months where I'm fucking uh, struggling, you know, and then I'll run into somebody in fucking uh, 
you know, I'll see Travis Barker, who I'm still friends with, you know, and he's, you know, he's rolling up in an Escalade with three Escalades following him full of his posse, you know what I mean? And, you know, and I'm driving around in my beat-up truck. So, yeah, that shit, you know what I mean? There's a point where when you're younger, you make music just to fucking make music, and you're happy doing that. But when you get to my age, you know, it would be nice to have health insurance. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I've been in that same boat right now. I yeah. just took a job at Whole Foods for the uh, health insurance. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel it exactly. You don't get health insurance through SAG? N- um, not yet. Cool. I haven't worked I haven't worked enough to uh, to qualify for that yet. Fair enough. Um, I, have you, do you have kids at all? Uh, I have uh, three furry kids with four legs. No, fair enough, fair enough. Well, um, I, I watched the other f the other f word um, about punk rock fathers the other night. Have you seen the documentary? No. Well, Jim Jim from Pennywise is it's based on a book that he wrote. It's right. Very, it's very uh, he's very very open like you are being right now, and he's you know talking about it. he's like I'm tired of fucking touring. I'm tired of doing this day in day out, day in day out. Um, and it was really kind of like it's, it, it, it was it was a lot like the Conan O'Brien documentary. I don't know if you saw that either. Yeah. Where he's at the end of the day, he's just fuck. I don't want to go sign another autograph, but I have to because that's the job. That's what we do. Yeah, shit like that. I never mind uh, the signing the autographs. I, I I will tell you that I do get homesick when we're out for long stretches. You know what I mean? I do miss my dogs. I miss L.A. I mean, I just love my, I love my fucking city. I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's the greatest city in the world, and, and I, I miss it when I'm away. But but I, I still love touring, but there's, you know, when you're younger, and, you know, when you hear, when you, you know, when you're a kid, or you're in your early 20s or whatever, and you hear one of your favorite bands complaining about this, that, and the other, yeah. you just think, what a fucking dick. But once you've done it for 20 years, like Pennywise has, like we have, yeah. You know, your perspective on it changes. Do you know what I mean? And, um, I mean, if we were the fucking Chili Peppers where we could tour two weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks on, two weeks off, flew to every gig, you know, and we could afford to bring, you know, girlfriends and, and our family out and all that shit, it'd be a different story. But, you know, it is fucking rough, man. Yeah. But it, it, I mean, just watching it exhausted me. Just me sitting on my couch late at night watching, I'm like, man. And, and I've been feeling the pangs of, like, am I too old for this shit now, too? I mean, you're 10 years older than me. I'm 32. You're 42. Right. And it's like, man, what am I doing still going to punk rock shows five nights a week? Or just music in general? Yeah. Um, but but there, there was one thing that really caught me. He was like, you get into this routine to where I just change the name of the town I'm in. You know, like, hello, Philly, hello, Pittsburgh, the next day. It's the same set every night, you know, the same acting and actions. He's like, I don't know how to keep it fresh anymore. So I was curious, do you have a way to keep it fresh? Or do you find yourself falling into those same Um, You can. You can fall into those routines. But the thing is, man, um, I read this interview with Miles Davis once. And he said, he said, it doesn't matter how many times you've played a song, um... You could have played a song 500 fucking times, but when you're playing that song for that audience that night, it's it's almost like it's the first time they've ever mm-hmm. heard it. And I don't have to put myself in that mindset. <clears throat> um, I just, I get it from the, the crowd. I mean, I gotta say, man, our fans have been so fucking loyal, <laughs> and they are so blows my fucking mind we've been around like I said for 20 years and we still get there's still 14 and 15 year old kids at the at our shows as well as their you know 30 something year old parents 
you know, and it's, and it's, man, I mean, I, it sounds really fucking cliche, but I love our fucking fans, man. I really do appreciate them and more so now than I ever have. And, uh, and you know, you find that one fucking sweaty kid in, in the crowd who's just singing along and losing his fucking mind and you just play for him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or you, like you've never seen yeah. us before, you know? I can't wait. Yeah, so, and you just, you know, what I do, the way I keep it fresh is, like, I am completely accessible. I hang out at the merch table. I walk around. I talk to the support bands. You know, I just go, and, you know, when you're going to a show and you're excited to see a band, there's a buzz in the room. Mm-hmm. And if you go out in the room and you talk to people and you hang out, you, you get that buzz. You get that, inf- you know, it's infectious. Mm-hmm. And, like, you, and I just carry that right onto the stage. Yeah. You know. Um, you guys returned to Warp Tour this year. Yeah. How long had it been? It's been like 10 years? Well, you know, I had quit the band for four years right. uh, in, in 2001, and they did some dates without me. But, but my other band, Black President, mm-hmm. we had done Warped for three years. So, I mean, I was always in and out of Warped. And every time it rolls through town, I go... You know, I love Kevin. I love Lisa. I love, you know, there's that warped family. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's the train outside. Oh, okay. And then, uh, and dude, I mean, people can say what they want about the, um, you know, about the, uh, how it's all emo, screamo now and all that shit, but that energy is still there. And it, you know, I, would I prefer it if it was the Bouncing Souls mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, Swinging Utters and, you know, uh, no effects? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was weird that in, in, on most of those shows, we were the only band of our genre. But in a way, it was kind of cool, too. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's weird how what an influence we've had on those bands that sound nothing like us. Mm-hmm. You know, some kid will come over with a sideways haircut, <laughs> you know, and he's just finished playing a show, and he's got his guitar fucking up where, his, where a bra should be. And he's like, dude, you know, fucking Goldfinger, blah, blah, blah. And, I'm, and I look at him, and I'm like, how, What? Do you know what I mean? But I guess, you know, I mean, like I said, Kiss was the first show I ever saw, yeah. and we're nothing like Kiss. So yeah. you never know where the influence is going to come from. Yeah. So so what is it like when you look out, and what is it like playing Warped Tour now and winning over a whole new generation of these kids? Hopefully winning over, I should say. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of them did. You know what was really funny is, you know, I mean, and this is going to sound arrogant or bragging, but it's just the fucking truth. A lot of these, these guys in bands that were, like, drawing t- three times the people we were, you know, we're telling us, you guys are hands down the fucking best band on this tour. And that feels good. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, without, you know, I, you know, our albums, you know, have been spotty. And, you know, we don't always get along. But we've always worked really fucking hard to put on the best possible show we can. You know what I mean? And it's just cool to know that people are paying attention. Yeah. You know? Um. What, what is it like to play it now compared to, you know, 99, 2000 when you were playing it? I it's, mean, I know it's a completely In some ways crowd. it's easier because, you know, it's not like, it's not like some kids watching Lagwagon, mm-hmm. running across the parking lot to watch us, running back across the parking lot to watch the Boston's. You know, we're the only band like us. Yeah. So we don't, we don't have to compete as hard. Or, or it's not that we don't have to compete. It's that we know what we're doing is different and it's going to stand out. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that made it cooler. I mean, Real Big Fish was on these dates, but they're straight up ska. Yeah. And their thing is more sort of almost 
hippie jam bandish yeah. than ours. I mean, I love the Fish. They're a fucking amazing band. They're tight as fuck, and they, you know they bring it. But they don't put on the same kind of show we do. Right. So, so I would say it's easier now, but it's less fun for me as a fan because I don't know any of these new bands. Yeah. You know, these bands with like five word names, like you know, we rode in on the bleeding horse of the death <laughs> of the Roman Empire, of the fall of ashes, of whatever the fuck. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know these bands, and honestly, I mean, I'm probably sound like a grouchy old man, but they all sound the same to me. Right. Me too. You know? me so, too. as a fan, I would much rather finish my set, get off stage, grab a water, and run over and watch Bad Religion, but from a performing standpoint, it's a lot easier. Cool. And who knows, maybe some of these kids are like me, you know, that music feels very negative to me that's very popular right now on the tour. It and is. And maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they're finding this happier... I don't know. Look, that, I, that I think negativity, especially in aggressive music, negativity totally belongs. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I, I agree. But I'm not, yeah. it's, it's, it feels insincere from them. Do you know what I mean? Like, there are these, you know, these upper-middle-class white kids from suburbia, and they're just screaming their fucking heads off about what... You know, I mean, a lot of their lyrics are really sort of vague and ambiguous, and I don't know what it is they're so mad about. You know what I mean? They've, they've got, you know, they're about to walk on stage, they're playing, like, beautiful brand-new gear, they've got 5,000 kids waiting to buy their fucking T-shirt, they're surrounded by swimsuit models, and they're young and healthy, and it's like, what exactly are you so upset about? You know, you still got all your teeth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so there is that. Well, uh, I guess let's wrap this up. Um, I'm kind of out of everything. Uh, you mentioned that I, I know you guys have had a long gestating new record in the works. Yeah. What's the uh, what's 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 going on with that? I know it's it's how how how, how much of it is uh, ready to go? Is any of it? Oh yeah, a lot of it is. Cool. In fact, of it most, I have to go play guitar on a lot of it. Um, uh, I'm I'm gonna write probably three or four songs for it that I haven't finished yet. Um, and then you know we'll probably keep two of those. Cool. So we'll see. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, it's it's going to be another Goldfinger record. I mean, there probably won't be a whole lot of the super fast punk rock shit that you used to. I mean, we always have at least one of those songs. And unless I write it, <laughs> it's not going to come on this record because cool. John's already written everything he's written for the record, and there's none of that. Do you know what I mean? So. So, you know, we'll see. It's going to be a Goldfinger record. If you like Goldfinger, you'll dig it. Yeah. Any idea when or if it'll come out? Early next year. Spring of next year. Cool. Yeah. Who's going to put it out? Any idea? Oh, we're doing it ourselves. Good. We're doing a Kickstarter, um, which at first I was kind of freaked out because Fishbone did a Kickstarter a couple of years ago, and I was kind of embarrassed for them. And then I did a little research, and everybody's doing their right. shit on Kickstarter now. Yeah. Fucking everybody. I mean, people were making independent films on Kickstarter, yeah. like... So yeah, fuck it. You know what I mean. The Five Iron Five Iron Frenzy broke some kind of records. I'm, I'm not sure the details, but they broke records and did super awesome on their Kickstarter what, too. For so. The amount of money they raised. Oh yeah, that's cool, and, man. And they, I don't, I don't remember the details. So this is all like off the cusp. But it seems like they didn't ask for that much, and it exploded. So yeah. Um, what, one thing we're I was hoping we make enough to to make the record. Yeah. You know, well, we, we we don't have such grandiose expectations. Yeah, um, I noticed that none of your records are on vinyl. Any plans for vinyl? Yeah, records I'm reissues? really, really pushing yeah. to put this record out on vinyl. Um, the reason we haven't put anything out so far is because we've, you know, our shit's still tied up with our old labels and uh, stuff. And they, even though they're not 
re-releasing anything. They're not. They're not making or losing a fucking dime one way or the other on Goldfinger. They still won't release it. You know what I mean? So. Shit. You know, that's another reason that it's going to be good to put it out ourselves because we don't have to deal with that bullshit. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And 20, 20, the 20th anniversary of the self-titled is coming soon, so it's like you'd think they'd do something. We'll see. You know I, I mean, so. You know, it, dude, if we could get the rights to that shit and put it out on vinyl, it would be really cool. Yeah, you know I, I mean? agree. So we'll see. Well, well, Charlie, anything else you want to throw out there? No man, thanks for taking a minute to talk to us. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's no, awesome. I mean, believe- it's not a lot of you know, a lot of people still, you know, give a shit and yeah. come out to the shows and you know, hopefully you having never seen us, you will yeah. not be disappointed. I, I, I mean, 15-year-old, the 15-year-old inside of me is freaking out. He's I, if you had told 15-year-old me that at 32 I'd be talking to you, I wouldn't have I well, I might have believed it, but it I don't know. That's, it's it's a weird thing. So it's very it sounds awfully surreal. perverted and pedophilish. Fifteen <laughs> year old inside you. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. So, all right, brother. Thank you very yeah, much. It was a pleasure. <laughs> well, all right, buddies. Thank you, Charlie, for sitting down and talking with us. My God, what a fantastic interview! And as I said in the show, uh, I wish I wish I was a little bit more talented and a little bit more prepared to talk with you, so that we could have delved into some of this other deeper, darker stuff further. Um, but man, I had no idea that he used to be a heroin addict. That's that that's just mind blowing and uh, fantastic. Uh, not fantastic to hear, of course, but it's it's fantastic that he opened it up and told us some of those secrets, spilled some of those beans. That's not something you'd get from a newer up-and-coming band. Um, That's why I like interviewing some of these older bands that aren't necessarily on the up-and-up anymore. Uh, Maybe they're sitting comfortably at this plateau or whatnot. People people have given me shit. They're like, why the hell would you want to interview that guy? They're not going anywhere. But sometimes some of the stuff you get from those guys is just like, holy shit, I can't believe, one, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to Charlie from Goldfinger. Two, I can't believe he's just revealing all this shit to me um, and being so open. Uh, one, one thing I do want to mention, I'm not the biggest Pennywise fan in the world. I saw them in Warp Tour 99 or 2000 and really was not impressed. Uh, they came off really jockish to me. Um, I know people love the shav and they've just never clicked for me. But I watched the documentary The Other F Word the other night. It's streaming now on Netflix. It's been out for a couple years. Uh, Jim from Pennywise is the main character, or not character, but the main um, focal point of this documentary. And then you've got Tim from Rise Against. You've got all these old school punk rock guys, Lars from Rancid and whatnot, um, really like opening up and being really, really, really honest about their careers, their lives, and uh, balancing being fathers and being good men while still being reckless punk rock dudes. Fantastic documentary, and it's a lot a lot along the lines of what we just listened to here today with uh, Charlie really opening up to us. So thanks again, Charlie. Thanks for making my lifelong uh, dream of seeing you guys. I guess lifelong dream. 17 years. 32. Yeah, that's about right. Thanks for thanks for sitting down and talking to us. My, my biggest complaint about the whole show was they did an encore and then left the stage. And then like five minutes later said, oh, shit, we forgot to play here in your bedroom and came out. Uh, it was actually a pretty fantastic rendition of Here in Your Bedroom, not the classic version. It was Darren the drummer singing with John the singer playing drums, and uh, it was actually pretty great. But I kind of wish I'd seen John do it just because. Uh, but man, they they played all they played all the hits. 
Uh, they played a ton of old stuff. Uh, there was no set list involved, so it was just, hey, this is what we feel like playing. This is where we're going to play. A uh, good chunk of old stuff. They messed up some old stuff, but it was still pretty great. Uh, it was pretty fun. Next time, guys, I want to hear the song. I think it's Disorder. I can't remember song names, but I'm looking at the back of the CD, and I think that's the one that I want to hear next time. Uh, and there definitely will be a next time. Uh, again, so uh, we're going to go ahead and end this episode now. Like, I got nothing else to ramble on about. But, uh, again, uh, mostlyharmlesspodcast.com, or if you're lazy like me, go to the shortcut uh, URL, mhpod.com. And I'll take you to our webpage. You can find out more information about Goldfinger. Uh, it'll have links to all their Twitter, Instagram, all that information where you can track them down and stalk them like I have for years. Um, on top of that, um, like us on Facebook, please, please. I know Facebook is kind of passe nowadays. I'm on Twitter, but I don't use it except for the talk about the TV shows I'm watching and what girl's hot or not at that moment. Uh, again, iTunes, subscribe to iTunes. That's a biggie. Um, that really helps us out. That just gets us more and more popularity, gets us more and more listeners, more and more listeners equals the chance, the better chance of getting sponsorship here in the next few months. Uh, it gets us higher rankings. It's going to get us better interviews and then keep this machine rolling. Uh, and if you can leave an iTunes review, I mean, it doesn't even have to be good. I, 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 I'm a Leo. I like attention. Good, the bad, the ugly. Give it to me, buddies. Give it to me. I need it. I need that fix. Uh, so, all right, guys, we're going to go ahead and end this with the song that started it all for me. And uh, it's a little ditty off Goldfinger's self-titled record. It's called Here in Your Bedroom. And, again, this is one of my gateway songs. This is one of these songs that led me down this deep, dark rabbit hole into punk rock. And uh, if you've never heard it before, it's my pleasure to share it with you today. Thanks for listening, guys. This is Damian Burford. Damien, damn it, Damien Alexander Burford, my full full name there. Uh, signing off. We'll see you in the funny pages, guys. Feel the same